Hello and howdy. Welcome to another Adventures in Angular. My name is Alyssa Nichol. I am so excited for today's show, but no spoilers, no spoilers. Um, So our panelists include the wonderful Chris Ford. Greetings. (laughs) And joining us today is Eddie Hinkle as well. Hey, everyone. And our super secret, not yet announced, but now totally announced guest is Vitaly Barab. Welcome, welcome. Oh my goodness. So Vitaly, for people out in the community who have not met you yet, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do? Okay, so as a work, i just software engineer, really software engineer at an outsourcing company called Epom Systems. I'm working on a client, which is a, one of the biggest tech companies, but I can't say which one because of NDAs. And mostly I'm working with Angular and Dart Angular, uh, Flutter, things like that. And basically regarding the work that it, it is, but uh, uh, in addition, on free time, I'm doing uh, music. Uh, actually, I maintaining an Angular application for guitar effects and amplifiers and cabinets. And uh, also, I'm doing analog stuff. I'm by, uh, doing analog circuits on my own, uh, like overdrives, distortions, such kinds of things. And Basically, that's it. Leveling up is important. I spend at least an hour every day learning ways I can improve my business or take a break and listen to a good book. If you're looking to level up, I recommend you start out with the 12-week year as a system to plan out where you want to end up and how to get the results you want. You can get it free by going to audibletrial.com slash code. That's audibletrial.com slash code. I was, I was looking at our notes to see if we have your GitHub so I could check out some of those projects you were mentioning. Um, what's your name on GitHub in case people want to check it out? Uh, it's the same, Vitaly Bobrov, but uh, Vitaly written slightly different. So to throw, throw people <laughs> off the scent so they can't find you. <laughs> yeah, because I, I created this account before... Uh, I got my foreign passport with official transliteration of my name because originally it's written in Cyrillic, so it's completely different. Yeah, and there are uh, like exact rules how they translate Cyrillic names to oh, that's so uh, cool. Latin alphabet. Yeah, I didn't. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, <laughs> I didn't even know there were such rules, but that makes sense for translating. Huh. Yes, yeah, government rules how they. Uh-huh. Convert them, and so you're like, yeah, sure, that's totally what it's supposed to look like. <laughs> and, I mean, now I'm trying to use official one, like in passport. It's right, right. In some places. So tell us, Vitaly, what are we talking about today on the show? We want to talk about accessibility in general in web and how it's related to. User experience in general, what can we do, what can we use to improve it, why we should care about it, how we can maintain the level of some uh, particular accessibility and things like that. Do you uh, often get to bring accessibility into applications in your day job? 
Yes, uh, because company I'm working for has special requirements for all applications to achieve a certain level of accessibility. They have a dedicated team that makes an audit uh, for each project, and you can't uh, go with your application in production if you can't match some minimum level for accessibility. So, like, does this team basically give you a grade and they contact you and they're like, yeah, so... Right grades, like levels of accessibility, uh, like five levels and you can go below third one. That is so cool. I love You prepare your application when you think that it's ready for review, accessibility review, then you uh, forward it uh, to this team. Describe... uh, user journeys, how users should interact with your applications and something like that. And then they try to test it in different ways and provide you with some uh, hints how to improve it, what should be changed, and basically like that. And it takes a lot of time. And uh, after we achieved fourth level, uh, I think that if you want to make an app accessible, you should invest your time uh, from the beginning because otherwise it will take a lot of time. Really I mean, a lot. I mean, like at this point though, do you just like pass with flying colors and it's not even a thought because you've been doing it for so long? Time to time, they have dating policies regarding new rules and uh, we reapply again and again. Also, if you uh, add in some new functionality, like new views with, uh, let's say, some drag-and-drop grids and things like that, you will also uh, forward these parts. So it won't be the whole app review, but new features review regarding accessibility. Very good, though, isn't it, that you've got access to a team who can help you out with that? Because what I found sort of historically is that if you've got an accessibility problem, you find out about it when someone tells you that they can't use your your website or your application because the accessibility isn't very good, right? <laughs> so uh, it, it's, it's really nice to have somebody there actually doing that. And it, it, it can be really just far too easy to just let it go under the radar, can't it, when you're developing? Like so, Because there's so much to do, right? I'm not making excuses for my poor accessibility, but <laughs> there's, there's so much to do. Uh, and it is is one of those things yeah yeah it's just one of those things that that if you're not just on it you 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 just won't necessarily be addressing it uh right and uh, i believe that this topic became more and more important because law uh, improved a lot in eu in particular in some countries like uh, scandinavia norway sweden and in states, I knew that there are a lot of court cases regarding accessibility. Uh, so basically, the more it will be obligated for businesses to improve the accessibility, the more will be gained for developers who can work on improvements in this area to achieve uh, certain standards. Uh, so I believe it's the future, and in general, front end. Uh, nowadays growing so much in uh, very wide areas like we have now WebAssembly, let's say, WebXR, things like that. So there are so many different things to learn and understand. So I believe that in the future, front-end will be more granular 
regarding specializations for developers because it's too much of knowledge for one person. So basically, I believe there will be some persons who will work with WebAssembly, with some VR stuff, with audio, with just uh, layouts and things like that, and accessibility maybe as well. Be a separate separate specialization for front-end developers. Who knows? (laughs) Maybe machines will replace us and (laughs) nobody will need it anymore. It's a happy thought. <laughs> yes, sure. Save that for the end. We could have closed out on that one. It's very happy year, you know. <laughs> we just have like an electronic noise of the machine taking over and we're just yeah. silent and then that's it, yeah. Typing on MacBook keyboards <laughs> with metal fingers. Um, so tell us, tell us some things um, because it can be overwhelming, kind of a daunting topic. If... You know, you're an Angular developer. You're working on apps all the time. What what's a starting point for accessibility and to bring that into your applications? I believe the main starting point here is HTML actually mm-hmm. to learn what are all those elements existing in HTML spec and what is the right purpose of those elements. You're saying my I span did- within a div within a span within a div within a span within a div is not semantic markup what like <laughs> you guys ever been there where you're like who spit this out and why is it still there <laughs> but you know spending deep yeah right it's uh, another topic but even sometimes it's hard to say where to use a a, a tag like uh, just link or a button or should i use section element what is it what it should be used for Oh, especially with because you can style them to look like anything. So you can style your anchor to look like a button, or you can style your button to look like an anchor. So it, these are all really valid points of when do I use them? Do you have a resource to point to as far as like when I you're really in question? One resource created by Manuel Matuzovic. As far as I remember, he's from Austria and the project called HTML Hell. I'm like currently looking at it. Posts <laughs> Unaccessible HTML markup and styling, and explains why it's wrong and how to make it right. And he definitely has few posts regarding ATAC and the button and things like that. It's really cool project. It's open source, so anyone can contribute and add new posts. And they have separate Twitter account. Uh, it should be called HTML help, but I'm not sure how properly write it as any underscores and things like that. And in general, uh, this uh, guy, Manuel, he's really uh, knowledgeable in uh, accessibility topics. He writes in blog posts and yeah, really good content. Another guy, uh, Sergey Krieger, he also has a good accessibility talks regarding charts, for example, how to make your charts accessible and things like that. A bunch. And uh, uh, as I said, this topic gaining more and more attention. So content, uh, amount of content growing a lot. Oh, you found it. It's .dev. Yeah. Don't, don't go to the site I'm on. 
<laughs> it's it's not the official one. <laughs> I assume I assume it's the right one. HTML hell.dev. Thanks, Chris. Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, it it, it kind of gives me makes me a little bit sad reading through it and it's like, oh this, this, some of this looks awful. <laughs> oh, so Vitaly, your first piece of advice is HTML. Know what you're doing with it, know what it's used for. Actually, you can go wrong with just HTML if you use it properly. But our applications nowadays are not just HTML, so we have JavaScript. And we're creating smart widgets, like fancy buttons with pop-ups, models with, uh, I don't know, flash text and whatever. And all of these widgets should be somehow described to screen readers, to machines, to be understood, what is uh, what is it, and how to use it, and what is more important, how to use it. For example, with skateboard, most of developers just developing components with mouse in mind or touchpad, but not keyboard. And actually, keyboard navigation and interactions are not used only by uh, disabled people. Even developers love keyboard shortcuts, like standard ones. If you have applications to edit something, like, let's say, audio, you want to edit some audio track, and you want to use some command S, command C, command V, to copy some parts of audio, to save the projects and things like that. It's natural because it exists for ages in all systems. Uh, and uh, also, sometimes you have to use keyboard. Let's say your battery died in your mouse and... Yeah, you and you're trying to repair the Bluetooth. Work, you can't repair, and you're panicking. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and you need to navigate these tabs and mm -hmm. arrows. Uh, for example, our app uh, has a huge grid of cards. It's uh, project management uh, applications with a lot of tasks as a card. Uh, something close to Trello, let's say, board. And if you will use tabs only to navigate through this grid of cards, it will be really annoying. Let's say you want to go to the card in the right bottom corner and you have, let's say, 50 of them. You want to click 50 times to go through all the cards. What you should do, you should do kind of uh, grid that should be accessed via tab and then you will be able to use arrows to navigate through the grid, like row down, column, right, left, and things like that. It will speed up you a lot. Uh, Angular CDK provides a lot of primitives for accessibility. And for this particular case, they have, um, oh, I forgot how this package called, something like Focus Manager, as far as I remember. But basically what it does, you can specify the parent element and the childs and how to navigate through them with not just tabs, but arrows as well. Another common problem, all we have uh, this side navigation that is hidden by some hamburger icon. And sometimes developers to forgot to exclude this navigation from the navigation flow via cable. Board. So you can navigate to some items which are not visible, and it's not right. 
or you can open some model dialog or pop-up and you should your uh, navigation flow shouldn't go out from this model or pop-up uh, to the overlay elements as well. And there are a lot of such corner cases that uh, should be uh, taken for attention and things like that. What I'm trying to say as a summary, short summary, is that uh, accessibility work not required for only disabled people, but for all of us, and it will improve the overall uh, level of uh, user experience of your application. Well, and I think it's always important to remember like that um, it's it's hard to know who has accessibility needs and who doesn't. So I, I think it's a lot more common than you think. I was actually testing uh, like many years ago before I became a web dev, I signed up to go and help like kind of do the accessibility testing that your team does um, for a group of developers that I admired in Orlando. And one of the UI designers, um, Dan Denny, he's like a really big designer and he's super awesome. He came over and he was like, he's like, what did, what did you do to the page? And I was like, what? I'm just looking, I'm reading through it. And he goes, yeah, but you broke my design. <laughs> And I guess I had command plus to a certain point that like broke his layout and he didn't like plan for that or realize. And I was like, I was like, yeah, I really, I have really bad eyes. So any website I go to, this is the first thing that I do. Um, and he was like making notes. He was like, good to know. <laughs> so, um, so I think it's just, you know, really it's, uh, it's not always for accessible, like people who have accessibility needs, but, um, it's also hard to know like who in your users like might have them. So it's always super good to plan plan for that. I thought it was interesting what you were talking about, the, the tabbing, tabbing order as well. I, I was working on an app in my last job where I, I, what it did is not important, but basically like one of the other developers that I was working with just came up to my desk one day and he was like, you got to fix this, this uh, thing on a login screen or something like that and I was like what what thing with the login screen it's like the buttons are in the wrong order I'm like what are you talking about <laughs> pulled it up and like just got this little login mode and like this is all absolutely fine and he goes yeah but like it's all right because you're using your mouse but i i always just tab through all of the forms all the time and i tab i tab through all of the the inputs and then i press tab and then the next thing that happens is it tabs to the cancel button and i hit enter and it closes my mode and cancels it out he says it happens to me several times a day and it's really annoying me and I hadn't even occurred to me. And I, I can't remember what was causing it, actually. It was something to do with something that was up with the tab order. I mean, in the end, I actually, I think I, I rearranged the buttons in the HTML and then, and then put them in a flex box. So they were reversed. So it didn't actually, on, on the front end, it looked exactly the same. But his tab order was restored. Oh, but, my God. I've done that exact thing with flex. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. This CSS grid is even easier to reorder stuff. <laughs> is it? Because I'm like oh, no, two lines, two lines in flex. flex. What do you? What no, do you CSS grid. You can just uh, specify the column, the cell. Let's say cell names. You can uh, assign them names and assign some elements to these cells or group of cells. So it's really powerful and easier to reorder stuff. I, I need to. I need to get comfier with the grid. Kind of visual scene. So I was looking it up, and actually, the CDK package that you were talking about, I found like a ListKey Manager one, but I'm just going to link to it in the show notes in case you're curious about pulling in the CDK for your Angular application to get those. So yeah, uh, 
and in general, all of CDK components are pretty accessible. I believe they also pass in special review for accessibility. Sorry, I have, I didn't mute myself and I have hummus set as my Slack message notification noise. So if you randomly hear a lady yelling hummus in my office, it's Slack. <laughs> Any, do you want to deep dive on that at all? Like, Give us a little bit more info. Oh, me and my husband work in the same office and our notifications, they were driving us crazy because they sound the same. So we never knew. And also we each have like six or seven different Slack channels. So, you know, hummus, I thought was a really original sound like for my work. So I I know when I hear hummus being yelled at me, it's important. (laughs) Yeah, that checks out. Yeah, okay. (laughs) Totally derailed us. Uh, back Sorry. to accessibility. <laughs> Notifications also need to be accessible. There are a lot of aspects of these uh, things. Uh, for example, we have special media queries like reduce uh, reduce motion motion. Prefers reduced motion, yeah. So for people who can't uh, normally work with things that moving around a lot and things like that. So using this media query, you can uh, remove all moving animations from your application, like sliding dialogues or things like that. So it basically should should not be animated for those kind of people. And yeah. How can you tell, sorry, how do you know how do you know when to tell it when not to animate? Would would people have like a browser setting or something? Uh, they have special preference in browser, but I'm not sure if uh, it gets some settings from the system level, like dark mode. Okay. But maybe, I'm not sure. I guess maybe if somebody's using a screen reader, it stands to reason that maybe they might not be interested in your heavy use of like the blink tag or something like that. Mm, yeah, that's true. Another aspect is colors as well, layouts, things like that. Some people has disabilities related to colors, color blind or things like that. There are a bunch of extensions to test your uh, views uh, uh, with such issues. It applies uh, screen filters to simulate such disabilities. So we can try to how it looks like for different people with different kinds of illness of eyes and things like that. It's also important. Again, it's not only for people with any disabilities, it's for daily usage, because if your text is not contrast enough, people will not be able to read it on sun, outdoors, for example. Or uh, good usage of um, dark mode as well, because at night, where when people might use your application in dark place without any additional lightning, it will be annoying to use it in completely white mode. Like when you have a white background and dark, uh, black text on it, and you will be blinded with the shine of your screen. <laughs> and you can actually use some APIs. Some of them are experimental, like uh, accessing the lightning sensors of device. It's uh, available via generic sensors API. 
and you can listen to light sensor of a device if it's available and user allows you to read the values and you can adjust the theme of your application regarding the surrounding light. That's cool. That's really neat. Same comes out. It's not really accessibility, but things like battery levels. And uh, for example, you might consider to reduce the amount of animations when your user has a low battery. There is also available values of uh, battery levels through the sensors uh, API. So you can give user more power before the device will will die without battery. Or, just an idea, you see that their battery is dying and you just like really ramp up the animations. (laughs) (laughs) Either either way. Last call animation. (laughs) I think you must be the most considerate developer I've I've ever met. You're actually taking time to think, not you, Alyssa, you're you're the polar opposite of what I just described. Uh, no, like so actually thinking people are oh, yeah. batteries running out oh let me just let me just help you yeah you should just like alert plug your laptop in that's how i do it uh and as i think you can there is a user agent uh, headers that asks for less data data usage so you can re- reduce the request for example if user has the browser that requests less data, you can, for example, disable some advertisements. <laughs> Nobody will do this. <laughs> but yeah, you can to save the data for the user. Because in some countries, data, mobile internet data, I mean, still very, very expensive, like few bucks per kilobyte or something like this. Or when you are some outside of your country and you're using roaming and roaming always very expensive as well so you want just to check some let's say weather or something and you might pay a lot of money for getting 20 kilobytes of some data things like that hey folks this is charles maxwood and over the last few years i've gotten to know a lot of great people within the microsoft community and specifically in the .NET area. Uh, one of our guests from JavaScript Jabber, Sean Clavo, actually reached out to me and said he wanted to start a show on .NET. And there are a ton of people out there that I feel like sometimes get neglected in the .NET space. So if you're one of those folks, uh, you've been listening to maybe one or two of the other .NET focused or Microsoft focused podcasts for a while and thought, well, where's the devchat.tv style podcast for me in .NET? You can find it. It's at adventuresin.net.net is spelled out D O T N E T. Adventuresin.net.com. Go check it out today. This just it reminds me of this like really funny side story, promise last tangent of me and Shai Resnick who were hanging out in Poland one time and I had data and he didn't. So he was tethering off my phone. But I have supremely like if you've ever hung out with me in person, you know, severe, like the most severe ADHD. And we're just like walking around this market in Poland and he keeps losing me and then losing his phone connection. So he's like chasing me. He's like, wait, Alyssa, I can't find you. And I'm like, but look, this thing, like it was really, it was really amusing for me, at least poor shy. But that <laughs> then, then a random dude 
who only spoke Polish came over and started singing and Shy and him like linked arms, did not know him. And they started singing together. So if you know Shy Resnick from the Angular community, that should give you yeah, a no. But <laughs> But no, it's you're definitely right. There's, especially for people who travel a ton for work, there's a lot of times when you're just like either... Uh, you're worried about data or the coverage is not great. So you're taking about 10 minutes to load a site. So, <laughs> mm. Yeah. Another side of access time uh, during commute, for example, when you are uh, moving in underground or somewhere in public transport and you're using your device with one hand. Uh, so you should consider about placement of important buttons uh, about data saving as well. For example, when you are moving in underground, it's cool when you have a web uh, service worker to uh, get the data beforehand, cache it. So when the data uh, internet connection lasts in tube, underground tube, so you won't l- uh, lose the content and things like that. There are so many points you can consider about and yeah do you so do you have like for your own personal use a like a document or something that you keep all of these things to like double check yourself whenever you're creating a new component and or you're creating a feature Uh, to be honest now not now but yeah time to time i just note in some ideas that i have for the future (laughs) to check it out do you have any like priority of what is important. So imagine that I have an existing application, which I'm sure many of us do, and that I have put absolutely no consideration into the accessibility, as I'm sure there's plenty of people who do, right? We've already said that getting your HTML semantic is is important. And I, I'm I'm a big believer of that as well. People who just everything's a div and I just style it differently. You know, that 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 is annoying. So that's number one, or maybe maybe what what other things are like the the first things i should do to try and beef up my my accessibility so yeah first one should be semantics uh, then you should consider about color contrast of the content then i would say it's navigation flow and then you should move to describing some elements which are not uh, content that is not a text like charts images icons something like this uh, then you should work on your rich widgets like uh, drop downs and things like that model dialogues because usually in these um, components uh, we have some let's say site uh, site functionality not that important hidden in pop-ups and models and basically just try to use your application with keyboard for example or with any screen reader available on your system just go through it try to uh, follow some common user paths let's say like if you have some e-commerce application try to just go through the list of products add something to the cart and go to the checkout how it looks like does it work at all yeah chromebox is my go-to for testing things with screen readers so if you've never opened up 
your application with a screen reader, definitely highly recommend it. Even if it's like you said, just to go through the common path of like logging in or something. So. And all these uh, applications are built in any system. Like on Android, there is Tugback always in system. On Mac OS, there is uh, VoiceOver. On Windows, they should uh, forgot how they call the system one. Uh, so it's available everywhere, so you just need to read how to turn it on, and that's it. And yeah, back to this, uh, I believe there is no like ideal tool or application to test, ac uh, automate accessibility testing like 100%. So time to time, you really need to just go through the application and try it out. You can start with using tools like Lighthouse, which is pretty basic one. Uh, there was even a post how to achieve 100 accessibility in Lighthouse, but for completely unaccessible application, it's very basic rules. And for our project, we are using thing called uh, X, I-X-E. Uh, because it was already built in, in our uh, like CI flow and things like that. And it's really cool because it checks a lot of rules uh, from particular standards, like uh, what BG accessibility rules and uh, all of them. Like it can check some particular rules for just elements and it can check the uh, rules for document level. Like do you have a title? and such basic things. It also can check if you run it in headless browser or in the real browser, you can check for color contrast and such kind of issues. And which what is cool about it is that you can, for example, disable some rules until you're working on it. For example, you're working on uh, semantics first. So you can turn off all errors regarding other reals like uh, color contrast, let's say. Then when you get into the point when you are ready to work on color contrast, you just enable it and work on that. Uh, but still, it can't catch everything because it doesn't have any idea regarding how to use your, uh, your elements, your components, how to use your application. It, just checks if, for example, you specify that some component should be a pop-up, it has pop-up, that it has all additional properties that should describe a pop-up and things like that. Well, it's still really, like, even though it doesn't check for everything, if you can't afford, you know, a whole team to go through and run tests, it's yeah. at least better to have that a part of your build process than nothing. So Also, it uh, will help to maintain the level of accessibility. So you're working on new features, you just add one one te additional test to your unit test or end-to-end -end test with running this tool, and you get the idea what issues might be hidden in these new components. So it's pretty cool. And there are a lot of alternatives to this tool. And uh, X has also a Chrome extension, uh, there was also some cool ex uh, online tool made by Microsoft, as far as I remember. 
uh, when you just give it a link to your application and it checks for accessibility issues on it. So the Chrome extension, how would that work? It's like running while your app is like while you're on the page and it's just yelling at you about different things or what is that? What is What would that uh, look like? Yeah, it could be run like in background or it can be run like Lighthouse. Just run through it and try and figure out what might be the issues. Same for this uh, colorblind uh, extension. I used one for Chrome, but I believe there was similar or same extension for other browsers as well. And yeah, uh, browsers also getting better in debugging accessibility. In the future, they will allow you to see what's going on on, on accessibility tree because behind the scenes, browsers also building uh, another tree of objects re related to accessibility. Sometimes browsers have issues, internal issues as well, like wrong semantics for basic elements, but they improving it and fixing those bugs. Yeah. Is, is accessibility part of the Lighthouse score? Did I completely make that up? What? Uh, you know, Lighthouse, which is built into yeah. Chrome. Is accessibility in there or did I just imagine it? Yeah, they have accessibility changes. It is, yeah. So, I mean, I guess that would be a good place to, to start as well. I think that's part of the for PWAs, right? Like accessibility is just like one of those things, like marks that you want to hit. Yeah. Yeah, but it's pretty basic. How uh, oh, is it? it okay. Yeah, it doesn't have a lot of rules to check here. Okay. So would you say Axe is more robust than Lighthouse? Yes, they have like all the checks from main standards, accessibility standards from what we do. Yeah, Axe looks really cool because um, we For use... For example, by law. Yeah, we use Cypress as our end-to-end -end and they have a plug in between Axe and Cypress. So it can like run with our end-to-end -end test. Yeah, and it's cool to run it on end-to-end -end test because you can check page level uh, rules like titles and things like that. Yeah, but in my particular case, I'm using them on both end-to-end -end and uh, on unit testing. On unit testing, I'm checking like keyboard navigations and things like that on that level. So have you all heard of dark patterns before? Dark patterns. Mm -hmm. uh, I, the gathering dark yeah. patterns. Well, it's kind of, it's kind. Of, I did a talk, uh, I think last year on it, and it's, I think in like the Harry Brignall like form like coined the the name dark pattern in like 2011 or something. But it's essentially using the knowledge of UX against users. So a good example, we're talking about contrast over and over again, right? About how important contrast and colors can be. And, you know, you know how it's a requirement to have a way for a user to unsubscribe from an email chain? Well, this company that I found, they, they, had, they had a way to unsubscribe from their email. And it was at the very bottom of their email, uh, white text on the white background. And so, <laughs> so that is like a very clear, like dark pattern that you're using against everyone so <laughs> yeah, advertisements using such things a lot like you have a pop-up with video running out and the close button is so small or hidden somewhere yeah it exists but especially it's annoying on mobile devices when you don't have that much screen size to use for content and 
and the X is like small, like smaller than your pinky finger, and you're like, <laughs> yeah, it's another it's UX issue and accessibility basically issue when links are so small, and I'm personally getting these issues a lot, like clicking on wrong button because they are too small, or these jumping layouts. When you're loading some content, you want to click some button, but actually you click some advertisement. So here we go. <laughs> Three new tabs and these things you don't need. Oh my goodness. So I'm trying to go over our list and see if we've... Um, is there any other accessibility pointers? I know that you did a talk and no apologies making apps accessible at NGDE. That was you, right? Yeah, uh, not only at that conference. I believe I did this talk two or three times. Yeah, but basically I covered uh, pretty same points uh, in very fast manner because it's, uh, <laughs> yeah, with no with no visuals, right? Like that's always challenging. <laughs> yeah, I believe yes, and. There are so many resources on uh, DevTio or Medium to go through accessibility. Twitter, just follow some people like Manuel, like Sergey Krieger. Even more, there is some uh, new topics regarding uh, CSS accessibility. For example, you can get uh, give a alternate text for content, CSS content property, right. which is used usually with, for some additions. You can give alternate text for that as well. And I believe in the future they will consider for more features re- related to accessibility, like those media queries prefers uh, reduced motion. Have you thought about learning to do native iOS development? Are you using Swift at work? Or maybe you've considered writing applications for macOS. We have a podcast that covers all of that called iFreaks. We have a new panel and a lot of exciting things to talk about. So come check us out at iFreaksShow.com. So yeah, we're reaching the top of the hour where we do picks. Do you have anything else uh, on accessibility that you'd like to add before we get to that section? No, I believe I shared pretty much what I had in my mind for now. Awesome, awesome. awesome. Uh, well, gentlemen, Eddie and Chris, picks anything interesting? I could pick some things. Always got my always got my picks. I'm gonna pick a video game that's coming out in a couple of months. Um, back in I think maybe 2012, thereabouts, there was a game that I had on my Xbox 360 called Kingdoms of Amala Reckoning, which is a fantasy RPG, kind of my favorite style of game to play. I really loved it, um, like a quite a deep, rich fantasy world, et cetera, et cetera. It didn't really gain much traction, um, sadly, and I think the company that made it um, went like horrifically financially under and took the, the whole property with them. But then recently, it was the property was bought by THQ Nordic, and then out of nowhere, they announced that they're, they're basically they're remastering it for modern systems, um, and that's coming out in Chris. September. 
yeah. my keyboard died. And so I can't Google anything that you're talking about. I need a link to click on. I will put a link. Yeah, I'll put a link in, <laughs> in the notes. Um, it's, so the remaster is coming out, I think, September 8th. But I loved that game. It was, it was, it was good. I pre-ordered. I never pre-ordered anything. I pre-ordered GTA 5. And I think I pre-ordered Mass Effect Andromeda until I read the reviews and I canceled my pre-order. Listen, you had um, me at Fantasy RPG. Yeah, I was like, yeah. I so need this. That's, that's, <laughs> I'll post the link. That's Kingdoms of Amala Re-Reckoning. And then awesome. I'm going to pick one more thing. Uh, so at the weekend, I went back to my hometown, uh, the beautiful city of Oxford. Um, I haven't been there for five months. Love it. Uh, very, very special place to me. Uh, I haven't actually lived there in the area for like 20 years, but whenever I go back, I enjoy it. But because I haven't been back for so long because of the pandemic, I took, I took, just took some time wandering around and just looking at stuff because it's, it's such a beautiful city. Um, and oddly, when I was doing my explore, I found a GitHub office, which I was really surprised by because I had no idea they even had any presence in the UK and it, in like a tiny back alley in Oxford. But anyway, this, this is going somewhere. There's Because um, I love the, the city so much uh, and I don't get back very often, there is a, a TV show that I, I love to watch, which is set in Oxford. Um, it's like a murder mystery thing. We have this set of murder mysteries set in Oxford from like the 70s and 80s called Inspector Morse. Hasn't aged particularly well, I will say. But um, recently, the, or I say recently, in the last few years, they've, they've made this new TV series based on this police detective in his, in his uh, formative years. Uh, uh, and it's called Endeavour. And that's Endeavour with a U because we put U's in everything in, our, in words that we spell. Uh, and so if you like a murder mystery and you like things set in beautiful British cities where you have lots of people punching each other and then like drinking beer from big, glass, <laughs> big glasses and things, uh, I recommend that. I'll put a link in that as well. For that where you can find it on <laughs> itunes there's my picks listen my first and most bright impression of my trip to the uk was this little pub where i got fish and the best wine that i've ever had i was hanging out with jen looper and so now whenever you know people are like oh you want some wine i'm like it's just not gonna re- like it's not gonna be that so i'd be like have you got any fish to go with it <laughs> But seriously, great picks. Oh, oh so is it only on iTunes? Because like you know, no, I, I just that's, iTunes is my go-to for like online content. I mean, to be honest, we our streaming services in the UK, even though we've got like Netflix and Amazon Prime stuff, all of the content is different. So I wouldn't have the faintest idea uh, yeah. what nope, folks you're totally right. can access. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. I'll, I'll spell it. I'll spell it because of our our, our fanciful way of spelling things with U's. Just in case anyone's <laughs> interested. Oh, thank you. Awesome, Eddie. What about you? I'm going to have my first pick actually be that axe accessibility because as we were talking about all this, I'm sitting here trying to figure out how in the world are we going to start figuring out accessibility at my job. And then I was like, wow, axe is like a good start towards figuring things out. And then from there, we can figure out how to do things, you know, actually running through it. But it's like for first pass, like, how are we doing? We'll probably get an F, but, you know, run axe. So I'm super excited about that. Besides that, I've been playing around with Swift UI, which is Apple's newest kind of UI paradigm. And I like it a lot because it's, you know, normally mobile development is a lot more difficult than web development. But with Swift UI, I feel like it makes mobile development like on par and in some ways easier because, of course, we've been talking about accessibility. And Swift UI, the thing I really like is it bakes in a whole bunch of accessibility with it. Like you say, hey, here's some labels and the labels automatically grow and shrink because they can do that because it's, you know, 
all in one platform. <laughs> but yeah, so I've been really enjoying that and uh, all the benefits it brings. Very, very cool. Uh, I'm going to paste mine in the chat too. Uh, mine is the same as it's been for a couple of weeks now. I uh, do streams weekly on the Code It Live channel at Twitch. So twitch.tv slash Code It Live. Uh, every Wednesday afternoon, uh, CDT time. So I'll be on talking about UI issues and tackling CSS challenges and uh, goofing off. So join me there for some fun. And then we also do like about... I think every month we have these big like eight hour streams where we're giving away things like switches and Xboxes and Amazon gift cards. So definitely follow our channel and look for, uh, you know, fun hangout times and prize giveaway. What more can you want? So yeah, that's my, that's my pick. Vitaly, what about you? Actually regarding those small widgets, uh, last time I was at an in- at, uh, online interview, online onsite interview, for one big tech company, and they asked me to build actually a small widget uh, like Star Rating. And I wanted to build it accessible, but my interviewer asked me actually to just write some JavaScript for divs and spans. <laughs> I believe that's why I didn't pass that interview, but yeah. <laughs> and yeah, come back to my picks. Uh, I'm actually, as I said, I'm doing uh, an app on my free time with guitar effects and I would like to everyone who is interested in music to follow the project on GitHub and uh, contribute to it. Uh, for now I have like a, a simulation for a few real amplifiers uh, models and a bunch of effects, uh, something like 15 of them for right now. I'm trying to replicate real ones because uh, I'm actually have some analog effects and I'm building their clones on my own in an analog way and I'm trying to replicate. So I'm reading how the, uh, I don't know how it's called in English, uh, amplitude uh, uh, frequency characteristics of these uh, effects, I'm trying to replicate those uh, uh, in digital way and playing around to that. And I'm really excited to get re- regarding the audio workload that came in Chrome and Firefox right now. So it's supported by majority of browsers and you allowed to use a actual separate thread for audio Processing like it's done in uh, classic uh, application, desktop applications written in C and C++. And with WebAssembly, you can actually port some C++ uh, plugins from those uh, desktop applications to web. And yeah, it's kind of cool future when we will see more and more professional applications like... Uh, audio editors of level of Cubase and things like that in web. Very, very cool. Sorry, I'm trying to figure out this keyboard issue. No, no link for you. Uh, <laughs> this is, but um, yeah, Vitaly, thank you so much for coming on today. Uh, is there, for me, it's Twitter. That's where I prefer to be hit up and talk to you about anything web or life related is there one place that you prefer just if you want to contact you or reach out uh, twitter as well 
Twitters. Awesome, awesome. Well, we'll have that yeah. in the chat. <laughs> well, thank you so much for oh, perfect. Yes. Yeah. At Babrov 1989. Very cool. Well, thank you so much for the awesome show today. Um, yeah, I think that is all Thanks for, for it. Me. Yeah, it was a really cool time for chatting. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com to learn more.